0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. Now I know it's going to be really difficult for this year's divisional round to top the chaos of last year's divisional round. That doesn't mean that you can't bet on all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for this divisional playoff when you head over to BetOnline Sportsbook. If you use our code Believe50, that's B-L-E-A-V five zero, with the link in the description to this episode, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. S-U-C-C-E-S-S, heaven success, yes, came back rich, would've thought it was a clone, all these out bad, would've thought it am homegrown, huncho the chief, had to send it to my home, franchise tag, everybody wanna take French franchise player, had to send it to my home, never send it through your phone, had to get it on my own. Good. on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live, because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. We are coming off of a fantabulous kickoff to the Divisional Round weekend. Not as fantabulous as last year's chaotic Divisional Round weekend, and yet so much more calm, tranquil, beautiful For those Kansas City fans and Patrick Mahomes like myself, for those who haven't heard the story before, Patrick Mahomes uh, helped this kid from San Diego get back into football. And it helped carry me through about a stage of my life, call it four years from my senior year of high school and being really down and way too invested in sports as a kid, but also not loving football because of the Chargers leaving. Mahomes means something special to me, and so I have rewarded him with wanting good things for him, even though I don't root for Kansas City or necessarily put deep emotional investment. I want good things to happen to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City dynasty, so I get to be right if Kansas City does well, and I get to watch the greatest quarterback that has ever that I have ever seen. Do good things and do fun things. So, as a Mahomey, I was happy to watch Mahomes win, even after going out with injury. We're going to eulogize the Jacksonville Jaguars and say some nice things, because Jacksonville, and this is not in the backhanded compliment kind of way, like, legitimately Jacksonville could not have done better. This, this was the best you could reasonably expect going into this game. If they had pulled off the upset, it probably would have been because of Mahomes' injury. And... They did a very good, reasonable job of keeping the game close. They lost at the end because Kansas City moved the ball really well against the defense that last year was ranked uh, 31st in the NFL. So it's okay, Jacksonville. You did great. Chad Henney took it 98 yards on you. Patrick Mahomes took it 80 yards on you. It's okay. Travis Kelsey had 14 catches on the game. You did great. We'll eulogize Jacksonville at the end of the show. First, Kansas City. Because game aside, and we'll get to some of the game type stuff in a second, like Kansas City going to five consecutive AFC championship games and not just going to five consecutive AFC championship games, either hosting the first four or being the home team in all five of the games is pretty freaking incredible because... The Patriots went to eight consecutive AFC championship games once upon a time, and comparing Kansas City to the Patriots is the only real comparison we have left because they have have broken every other record of the sport. And I think the comparisons between New England and Kansas City diminishes the greatness of both. And I'm not in the camp of hyping up Kansas City by diminishing what the Patriots did. I'm the everyone should appreciate greatness, and I love greatness. And even though I want really good things to happen to Kansas City, fully acknowledge, probably not going to be the Patriots. And that's okay. Don't worry about it. There's still something that literally we didn't think we'd ever see again. The combination of the greatest defensive coach in the history of the NFL with a Hall of Fame quarterback like Tom Brady. Well, now you flip the script and you have the greatest offensive coach in the history of football in Andy Reid. Again, you can compare Andy Reid, Bill Walsh if you want. I'm giving it to Andy Reid over longevity. The greatest offensive coach in the history of football... And the greatest quarterback that I have ever seen play and can statistically back up is the greatest quarterback that I have ever seen play. They showed the graphic of first 75 career starts and Patrick Mahomes is first in yards. First in passer rating, first in touchdowns all time in NFL history, first in yards per completion. like it, like Undisputably best quarterback we have ever seen with the greatest offensive coach we've ever seen, and now they've gone to five consecutive AFC championship games, and they will probably go to two or three more over the next three to four years. And so what's really interesting to me coming out of this one is to watch the Patrick Mahomes injury and still have all of us walk out of that game feeling amazed by everything that Kansas City has assembled because Patrick Mahomes goes out and it's 10 to 7 at this point and the first drive of the game for Kansas City again Jacksonville goes 3 and out not a memorable drive at all first drive of the game for Kansas City they go 12 plays 83 yards, they end up scoring the touchdown to Kelsey at the end, but they had completions on that drive to Pacheco. They had completions on that drive to um, Kadarius Toney. They had completions to Juju Smith-Schuster on that drive. And, of course, Kelsey had all sorts of big plays. So, like, they're doing it with all of these different guys methodically moving down the field and protecting themselves before they knew Mahomes was going to be out of the game protecting themselves by saying, we know our defense is kind of mid to below mid. Like I said earlier in the year, and this still rings true, Kansas City has a lot of youth on that defense and not youth in a good way. And you saw that a few times in this game, like Trent McDuffie, rough game for Trent McDuffie. Leo Chennault couldn't really find the field. George Karloffis, their first round pick they got from the Tariq Hill trade, he was fine. I mean, Karloffis was fine. And Kansas City's kind of in this in-between, but the one good thing they have on that defense is Chris Jones. Chris Jones is a Hall of Famer, so they have one Hall of Famer surrounded by a whole lot of mid and young guys who need some growth by playing, and the good news for Kansas City, they have ample playing time available. So they're saying to supplement their defense, Kansas City is going to slow down their offense, which works twofold because Mahomes won't make the mistake that ends up costing them the game. When you've watched most Kansas City losses over the last five years, it's because Mahomes is turning the ball over. When he doesn't turn the ball over, it's almost unbeatable. Now Cincinnati's beaten it three times in three different ways. That's Cincinnati. Like We know Cincinnati's one of the five best teams in football this year, and last year they beat them by offense of Jamar Chase going for 300 yards Kansas City throwing up on themselves while being up 20 to 0 in the AFC championship game throwing up on themselves in a way we've never seen happen to Kansas City and they were up 20 to 0 in that game so it wasn't like Jacksonville was doing great everything was going to the Kansas City script in that AFC championship game and the point of all this being is Kansas City's really good at keeping the defense off the field and the defense was good at being good enough for Kansas City and I think that's such an interesting pivot that they've made in between all of the wins and the you know 13 seconds to move down the field for Kansas City in between all of that stuff they've been able to slow things down and use their offense to protect their defense not because their defense is bad because their defense is young and because their defense needs a minute because remember that third drive that Jacksonville had right after Mahomes gets hurt and right before they put Chad Henney in the game right before that ends up happening Jacksonville had a drive in which they got the ball in a 10-7 game into Kansas City territory I believe the closest they got I'm double checking real quick. The closest they got was the Kansas City 25-yard line. Again, in a 10-7 game. Jacksonville gets the ball to the 25-yard line and then you got the tripping penalty on Walker Little cuz like Walker Little is a rookie and he was getting being he was guarding Chris Jones. Like Certain point, no shame in that one. He got bum-rushed, and he tripped him, and they hit him with a 10-yard penalty. Sometimes you can get away with the tripping penalty and not get the call. So gets hit with the 10-yard penalty on that one, and then they move back to the 35. Then the plumber, Frank Clark, gets a sack, and then Trevor Lawrence throws an incompletion to Jermichael Hasty, where he was scrambling out of there. Like, they were rushing with four, and Trevor Lawrence was scrambling out of there. That is, in a 10-7 game, they got negative 14 yards on Jacksonville, forced a punt, which then led to a 98-yard Chad Henney touchdown drive that also took six minutes. The first drive of the game took six minutes. The touchdown drive by Chad Henney was 12 plays, 98 yards, and six minutes. When Kansas City can basically do whatever they want on offense, it's really interesting to see them pivot and by the way we're learning, can basically do anything they want on offense with Patrick Mahomes or with Chad Henney. We've seen a representative sample over four years that the offense is still able to move the ball effectively when Chad Henney comes in the game. They were able to do it not not like amazingly well when Mahomes got hurt in 2019, but they were enough to win games with a subpar defense. Uh, the, the playoff game against Cleveland, they got outscored against Cleveland when... Um, When Chad Henney went into the game, they also still had just enough to win that football game with the Chad Henney making key plays like the one to Tariq Hill, blah, 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 Chad Henney, whatever. The point being, Kansas City is able to move the ball however they want because of how overwhelming their offense is and because they have not just the greatest quarterback ever, but because they have the greatest offensive coach in the history of football and a Hall of Fame tight end and previously a Hall of Fame wide receiver like Kansas City is able to do these things even by supplementing and changing the way that they run their offense. So basically, they go down the field. They end up uh, without Patrick Mahomes getting a lead at halftime. And then uh, Kansas City in the fourth quarter gets Mahomes back. And Mahomes, with an injured ankle, does the Mahomes thing. Uh, But the new Mahomes thing is not the bomb-to-play touchdown. It is 16 yards to Juju Smith-Schuster, 15 yards to Travis Kelsey. It is Kadarius Toney, 14 yards. Little by little, they just march down the field with schemes and the right plays, and then putting themselves in the position to succeed. It's incredible how overwhelming that offense is, and you don't need—we don't need to do the rehashing of like, "Oh, look how overwhelming the Kansas City offense is." We know they can do whatever they want on offense. They've been able to do whatever they want on offense s- schematically for the past. F- call it five years, four years. I mean, the even the year Mahomes won MVP, it was all new. And they were kind of taking advantage of defenses not knowing how to compete with them. And even when defenses have adjusted, they've adjusted almost immediately, minus the like seven game stretch at the beginning of 2021 when Mahomes was throwing all those interceptions with two high safeties. And they corrected that and then went 10-1 and over their next... 11 games like what they do on offense is so remarkable and what's the most remarkable is that this year's team which is going to go to the AFC championship game we've been saying all year and I think most NFL pundits agree this is the best chance Buffalo has to beat Kansas City Buffalo on paper is a more talented team than Kansas City and the way that Kansas City is adjusting for in 2020 when they went to the Super Bowl against the the Buccaneers Kansas City was just totally overwhelming compared to their opponents. When they went to the Super Bowl and won against San Francisco, just totally overwhelming against their AFC opponents. That year they played Houston in the 24-0 Bill O'Brien game that we celebrate every January 12th, and they played Tennessee. And I was watching highlights of that Tennessee-Kansas City game earlier this week because the anniversary came up and they were playing a whole bunch of highlights, one of the ones that caught my eye was not just the, the the famous play where Mahomes, you know, scrambles to his right, spins, dives, touchdown. It was after that when he threw a completion. I think it was Robinson after that, but it was I think it was a third and ten and they just bombed a, a play to Robinson on the outside. Like, even when they were down in those situations, they were still incredible at being able to just pick up yardage and defenses couldn't adjust because they were just so much more talented. And now that that talent advantage has dwindled a little bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where we saw Buffalo do whatever they want against Kansas City, where we've seen uh, teams like, uh, we, well, Buffalo I was talking about this year and last year, we saw what Cincinnati did against them. Like, teams of equal skill... I'm not talking about like the mid teams that they played in the wild card, like Pittsburgh last year, where they outgained them. I think it was 340 yards to 40. Like teams of equal skill set, which I think the ones they've played so far are. The, the ones that they have played are Buffalo and Cincinnati. They got San Francisco this year when San Francisco was kind of down coming off. Like, they were trying to figure things out. I think maybe that was even their last loss before this giant win streak. So, like, even though they played San Francisco, it wasn't San Francisco at their peak and Kansas City whooped that ass against San Francisco. I think they scored, like, 45 points in that game. But the point being, like, against teams of similar talent – The way that they've supplemented this, and this is the way that the Patriots adjusted in that sixth championship season when they were playing against teams of lesser talent like Kansas City and the Rams, the way they supplemented was by using their offense, which was their strength, to help out their defense, specifically by keeping the defense off the field for longer periods of time and making opportunistic plays to keep them in the game. And that is super interesting to watch because it's an adjustment I wasn't anticipating for Kansas City and one that, I mean, if they had played the Chargers, I would have been interested to see how that would have played out because of what the Chargers are able to do on defense that the Jaguars just aren't. Like, the Chargers would not have allowed 14 catches to Travis Kelsey, but that's, like, the easy way of beating you, is with Travis Kelsey just getting open in the middle of the field and moving from 20-yard line to 20-yard line, or in the case of the the Chad Henney drive, from 5-yard line to 5-yard line, just being able to move the ball, like, super easily. I w- would have been interested to see, but the point being, once they play these next two games against teams that are of equal skill set. It doesn't matter who they play. Like As long as the Giants get boat raced against the Eagles, and we're recording this right as that game kicks off, as long as the Giants get boat raced and don't make a weird championship run, no matter who they play the rest of the way, whether it's Dallas, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Cincinnati, or San Francisco, like the next two games that they play are going to be teams of equal skill set to Kansas City. And so it'll be interesting to see if they replicate this strategy of 12 plays, 80 yards, um, 6-minute drives, or 15 plays, 90 yards, 8 minutes. That's the strategy they want to implement instead of picking it up all at once. It'll be interesting to see how Kansas City plays that out over the next two games. Because we saw it at the end of this one. The defense is not bad for Kansas City. The defense is just young and opportunistic. I mean, they have Chris Jones, who's a Hall of Famer. They have Frank Clark. Obviously, uh, Watson, who had the pick six against the Chargers, ended up having, I believe, the, the interception to end. Yeah, Jalen Watson had the interception that sealed the game. They had the Agnew fumble at the goal line, which was a huge bailout for them. Because when, when Mahomes scored that touchdown to make it 27-17, to 17, the one with uh, Valdez-Scantling in the back of the end zone... You give Kansas City a 10-point lead with seven minutes to play, I'm feeling really good about their chances. And then Jacksonville got the ball, and I guess right now we'll transition into the talking positive and eulogizing Jacksonville, because they kind of go hand-in-hand here. Jacksonville, right after that, I remember I was um, on my way to work, and... Jacksonville gets the ball. First of all, Agnew, shout-out Point Loma High School, Jamal Agnew. He's the only player in the NFL from my high school. Shout-out Jamal Agnew. Jamal Agnew was a kickoff beast, but he gets them field positioning at the 45. I was like, okay, that's pretty good. They got the ball at the 45-yard line. Then they go uh, after that a couple incompletions, not important. Third down, 16 yards to Evan Ingram, 18 yards to Zay Jones on back-to-back plays. And in, in 40 seconds... The Jaguars got the ball from the kickoff to inside the Kansas City 21-yard line. Like, they moved right down the field on Kansas City. I was like, oh, man, this is why Kansas City was protecting that defense was because the defense... From 20-yard line to 20-yard line, and by the way, as most defenses in the NFL are, from 20-yard line to 20-yard line, it's never been easier to move the ball down the field as long as you have a competent offense, and I would argue the Jaguars have a very good offense. Trevor Lawrence is a very good quarterback. Travis Etienne, despite my previous jokes about the Jalen Ramsey trade being the worst in NFL history, Travis Etienne is a very good running back. And so it's really, really interesting to watch it play out Where Jacksonville is moving the ball down the field with ease and then the opportunistic plays like the Agnew fumble and the Trevor Lawrence desperation interception like once they start moving the ball down the field I'm like okay you give Kansas City a 10 point lead with seven minutes to play feel pretty good that this one's over. But not when Jacksonville can take one minute and move the ball inside Kansas City's 20-yard line. That's when I was like, okay, that's where Jacksonville becomes a little bit scary. This is why they made it to the second round of the playoffs. The reason Kansas City holds on, not to say they wouldn't have held on if they hadn't made those opportunistic turnovers or that opportunistic um, negative 14-yard play or negative 14-yard series back in the second quarter. Not to say that they wouldn't have also found a way to win with their offense. It's just like the defense can't be absolutely putrid and they still find a way to win. So Jacksonville at that point, like when you move the ball from kickoff to inside the Kansas City 20 in a minute, that's the when I'm like, oh, I feel a little uneasy about this, especially because Kansas City has a quarterback playing on one ankle who's been shot up with all sorts of painkillers. To get him out there. So to to Jacksonville's credit, that was a moment where I'm like, oh, the ability to move the ball against, like I said, a a mid defense to below mid defense. I like that term mid to below mid a mid to below mid defense like Jacksonville uh, or sorry, like Kansas City giving up that much field positioning in a minute was the thing that could have been their unraveling in this game if there were to be such a crazy unraveling combined with the Mahomes injury not being the reason that Kansas City's offense couldn't have bailed them out at the end. But the, the opportunistic defense was the thing that, you know, made it so that they didn't have to sweat the end of the game. And it was a, relatively speaking, pretty comfortable win. I mean, if you go back and look at Kansas City's uh, divisional playoff games and conference championships over the last four seasons— It was only a seven-point victory, but seven points is actually kind of like close to the blowout of the group for Kansas City. I mean, you have the AFC Championship game against Buffalo where they crushed them, but think about it. The Baker Mayfield game where Mahomes gets hurt in 2020, they had to sweat that out to the last play. You had 2019, um, the the Super Bowl (laughs) against San Francisco had to sweat that one out real bad. The loss to New England in 2018, the loss to Cincinnati in 2021, the Bills game in the playoffs last year, 13 seconds to come back and win, like, relatively speaking, this was close to the blowout of the group. For Kansas City, this was the most comfortable they've felt in this round of the playoffs going back to the five-year run now. So it's just really, really interesting to watch it play out. Now, I said I was going to uh, eulogize Jacksonville here, and we've already done some of that, like offense, opportunistic, great job Kansas City defense to keep them not from sweating at the end. Jacksonville, I saw this on the broadcast, they became the first team in NFL history to go from the worst record to winning a playoff game. And of course, there were all sorts of circumstances that played into that fact. Like, for example, last year, Rich Basaccia, I know it's a name that hasn't been said in a while, Rich Basaccia, the coach of the Raiders, was the first interim coach to ever lead his team to the playoffs. Think about all the extraneous circumstances that led to that not just the fact that their coach wasn't fired based on performance their coach was fired for being a public bigot like John Gruden we found out in the middle of the season combined with the Colts game that fell apart in week 17 last year combined with going six and one in one possession games and then to add the icing on top of the cake you had the prisoner's dilemma that Brandon Staley pulled at the end of that week eighteen game last year. So so much shit had to go their way to become the first interim coach ever to lead their team to the playoffs. And similar type of vein, Jacksonville had to have so much shit go their way to be the first team to ever make the to the first team to go from the number one pick in the draft to to winning a playoff game the next season. One of the things that had to go their way was having the number one pick the year before getting the number one pick in 2022. The other thing that happened was playing in the AFC South. They had to be in like the worst division in football, and I know the NFC South also exists, but they had to play in the pyramid scheme AFC South. Which, by the way, they should have lost to Josh Dobbs in Week 18. I'm still pissed that Josh Dobbs couldn't have just only fumbled the football with three minutes to play in Week 18 instead of fumbling for a strip six. And that's the reason why he lost. Like, First of all, Jacksonville should have lost in Week 18. Playing in the pyramid scheme AFC South added on to the fact that Jacksonville overcame a 27-point deficit... Against the Chargers, where they had to go touchdown, 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 game-winning field goal on the final five drives of the game. So, like, a lot of shit had to go Jacksonville's way in order to be the team that won their first, that became the first team in NFL history to go from worst record in the league to being a playoff winner. If you're a Jacksonville fan, who cares about any of that? Who cares if a regression is on the way next year, which I think is a real possibility even as they win the NFC, the AFC South? Who cares if a regression is on the way? Who cares if expectation is on the way? Who cares if you felt like you were in it at the end with Kansas City? If you had told me at the start of the season that the fourth team in the AFC, which, again, I've said consistently for three years, it was Kansas City-Buffalo and then one of the AFC North teams. It was Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore for two years. Now it's Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati for two years. The last four years, everyone else in the AFC is competing for one spot. You're fighting for one playoff spot in the AFC Divisional Playoff because Kansas City's getting one, Buffalo's getting one, and Baltimore, now Cincinnati, is getting one. Everyone else, you're fighting for one spot. It was Tennessee... It was um, Tennessee last year, it was Cleveland the year before, this year it was Jacksonville. And if you told me at the start of the year that over teams such as Baltimore, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Raiders who traded for Devontae Adams, the Broncos who traded for Russell Wilson... If you would have told me that all of those teams, even throw the Titans and Colts in the mix, if you want to add those teams in because we thought those teams had expectations at the start of the year. If you would have told me that over all of those teams, that the Jacksonville Jaguars would get the fourth playoff spot in the AFC, I couldn't believe that it's even a possibility. This is a massive, massive, massive success for Jacksonville. And even if they don't win another playoff game next year, and even if they don't build off of this, because again, the same circumstance comes up next year. It's still Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati. And unless one of those teams has their quarterback get injured, and even so, we saw today, Kansas City still might be able to get to the divisional playoff without Patrick Mahomes. Even if one of those teams loses their quarterback, you're still fighting for two spots with margins being you're fighting Justin Herbert's Chargers. You're fighting Lamar Jackson, theoretically Lamar Jackson's Baltimore Ravens. You're fighting the Dolphins, now with Tariq Hill and possibly a fully healthy Tua, who I thought was the fourth best team all season. I thought Jacksonville was going to be, I thought Miami was going to be the team that beat Jacksonville in the wild card five versus four. And I thought Miami was going to be the team playing this game against Kansas City. Like you can take Miami, Miami, New England, even the Jets played better than expectation this year. Like, the the Jaguars might have been the last team—well, the Texans. The Jaguars might have been the second least likely team I would have picked at the start of the year to say they're going to make it to the divisional round of the playoff. And that is a huge testament to what they are building on that offense and building with that quarterback and running back. And Doug Peterson, as we talked about with Ryan Nanny, Doug Peterson just good vibes— all the way to winning that playoff game like Jacksonville finds themselves in an incredibly unique and incredibly interesting position and even as they lose this game and even if you could map out ways in which they could have found their way to winning this game you still walk away and say this season is a massive success we massively overachieved, and we're potentially prone for a regression next season even if the record looks better like even if they go 10 and 7 or 11 and 6 last year next year Expect a regression coming because you're fighting for such incredibly thin margins, and the fact that you got that thin margin this year is a success. Unless you're someone sitting here who thinks that Jacksonville, as presently constructed, has a legitimate chance of beating Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati next season in a playoff game, I don't see it. Maybe stuff changes in the near future, like injuries. I don't see a path for that to happen. I do see a path for them to win 10 or 11 games next season with a full season bringing back this crew. Maybe they make a couple additions here and there, extend Josh Allen, extend uh, a couple of pieces on that team. You know, you could see the theoretical possibility of them making it back to this place next year. Even if they don't, let's not pretend like this isn't a massive, massive success for Jacksonville, that they don't have a massive building block with which to work with going into next season and a massive overachievement that they can build off of to potentially get into that Buffalo or Cincinnati territory. They're not going to be able to get the talent to make it so that, say, on a neutral field, they're even a uh, five-point underdog against Buffalo. It's just not going to happen. They just can't acquire that much talent in one offseason. No matter how many draft picks or cap space that they have, they just they can't do that. There's just not enough talent available in one off season to make that leap. Two years from now we can have another conversation, especially because Buffalo's roster is going to look so different in two years than it does right now. And because Cincinnati's roster is going to start to look really different once Joe Burrow gets his extension. Two years from now we can come back and have that conversation because the rosters are going to change so much and there will be ample opportunities for the Jaguars to add pieces. Even if they don't make it back here next year, don't look at it as a disappointment if you're rooting for Jacksonville or if you have an interest in Jacksonville or if you're just projecting what this team is going to be in the future. If they get back to the divisional round next year, it's going to be a massive, massive, massive success for the Jacksonville Jaguars. A greater success than even I could have predicted not knowing that they won a divisional playoff game this year. If you had told me going back to uh, October, even knowing that Jacksonville was really good saying that by next year Jacksonville would win a playoff game and get that fourth spot in the AFC behind Cincinnati Buffalo and Kansas City, even at that point, I would have said, wow, that seems incredibly unlikely next year. They already did it this year, so they've already achieved on that level, and it'll be really interesting to watch it play out next year. And again, I just want to reiterate Um, they might win more games next year. They they will probably be a 10-11 win team on paper, especially playing in that crappy AFC South. They're the pyramid scheme AFC South, as I call it. Even playing in that pyramid scheme AFC South, they can win 10-11 games and they can add some talent to that team. It's just not going to be enough to get them over the hump to get to that Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati territory. And that shouldn't be the goal. If you're Jacksonville, it should be when Trevor Lawrence hits year four and year five that you are ready to, while he's while his last couple of years of the rookie contract are still going. When Lawrence gets to year four and year five, that's when you should be hitting your peak and we'll see what ends up happening over the next couple of years as Jacksonville builds to that place. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to our podcast post-game show. This is Wired Up episode 132. Be on the lookout for all of the wild card football games and their post-season schedules coming up next. And uh, on subsequent podcast feeds above you, maybe you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Whenever you're listening, we've got post-game shows all throughout the weekend available for your consuming pleasure. Let's play it out one last time. Rest in peace to take off and Migos delivering the Patrick Mahomes song from the Culture 3 album. It's one of my favorites of all time. And, uh, of course, it's going to be the last Migos album that ever gets released. So let's celebrate one last time with Patrick Mahomes and the five-time AFC Championship hosts, Kansas City. Dynasty. (laughs) Dynasty.